Hey, welcome back. I'm Robert Fleming, and I'm sitting here with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are the two partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. We want to talk today about the what I think is kind of the unsung hero of most estate plans. So most people who do an estate plan, they might create a living trust. They might sometimes create a special needs trust or an irrevocable trust of some kind. But sort of the standard uh, issue um, documents in an estate plan, Elizabeth, are the will, the financial power of attorney, and the health care power of attorney, which probably has living will provisions in it. I, I know that you, uh, you particularly hold the position, I, I don't disagree with you, but you feel it more strongly than I think I do about the significance of the financial power of attorney in that collection. Absolutely, Robert. When I sit down with people and we go through the basic estate planning documents that you mentioned, most people just want to talk about what's going to happen when they die. They want to talk about their wills. And what I try and get people to focus on is the here and now. And the reality is, is that the two documents that are often overlooked that are the most significant here and now documents for many, many of us are your healthcare power of attorney with a living will provision and your financial power of attorney. And I say that because when you die, those documents no longer convey authority. They don't do anything. But during your lifetime, there is so much that can be done to help you using a healthcare power of attorney and a financial power of attorney. And the reason I spend time with folks talking about financial powers of attorney is Many people have joint accounts with a spouse, so they may have a joint checking account, they may have a joint brokerage account, and you know, they think, well, when I get foggy, my spouse is the joint account holder, so it's no problem for him to write a check for me. Well, okay, but what about your retirement account? Because that's not a joint asset that you own with your spouse. What about that term policy, that either long-term care policy or potentially that uh, life insurance that you have that's in your name that you own I think the retirement account is the one that often surprises people you just assume that you have the ability to sign things for a spouse but that one often gets you sometimes tax returns can create problems as well the, the reason the health care power of attorney isn't quite as significant although I don't want to belittle it is that in Arizona, at least, there is a mechanism for family members to make health care decisions for you if you're not able to, uh, even if you haven't signed a health care power of attorney. And that covers a pretty large slice of the kinds of things that have to be done. But there's no similar rule for financial things. So I, I, I guess I'm coming around, Elizabeth. You're right. The financial power of attorney is maybe the most important document most of the time when we do estate planning. Um, the, other th the other reality is that most people don't change from intestate succession rules when they execute their wills, or they don't change very much. What does that mean? Well, Robert, I think what you're alluding to is the fact that, for instance, you and Rhonda have two children, and, and many people who are in your shoes say, well, I want my spouse to have everything. And, and then we have two children. So when the second spouse dies, we want our two children to share everything equally. Well, that's actually what's going to happen under the law in Arizona, assuming that you're married when you die and assuming that the children are child, children of your marriage. So 
You're right, Robert. What many people want is exactly what would happen under the rules of an intestate succession in Arizona. I'm going to make a couple more notes, though, around the financial power of attorney. So I started talking about these other ancillary products. So not talking about your retirement account, but talking about something like a long-term care policy, talking about something like a life insurance policy. Well, let's have some conversations about something like a trust. Let's just say you establish a trust and then you get foggy and you forgot to transfer your house into your trust. Or you forgot to update, let's see, the title of a brokerage account and title the brokerage account to your trust. Or your broker moved to a new brokerage house and at the new place, it, the account just got opened in your name rather than the trust name. You didn't forget, but things changed. Correct. So one of the big, big questions that I have for people is, well, do you want to convey authority so that somebody can help fund your trust? So you can help have some assistance avoiding probate. And people then look at me wide-eyed and they say, well, my agent under a financial power of attorney can do that? And I said, yeah. You know, practical thing that we can do, a term that we can provision that we can create in that document that's often incredibly useful to people. You know, I, I think it's important that we uh, rehabilitate the other documents a little bit. Yes, you do need to do a will. Even in, in my situation, as you describe it, Elizabeth, it's pretty straightforward to say, I'm probably going to make my wife personal representative of my estate. I'm probably going to leave her everything. I'm probably going to divide it among between my two children or among the three children if I had three. But the one thing that the will can do I guess two things. One is it can identify which of the children will be in charge so we can reduce the likelihood of fights after my death uh, if, if my wife has predeceased me. And the second thing it can do is it can have some specific things. Oh, I want to leave $5,000 or $10,000 to each of my grandchildren or to my favorite charity or something like that. So there, there are things that won't happen and that unless I do a will and that I really need to do a will for. But there are fewer of those for most people than there are places where your financial affairs can go awry. Same thing with healthcare matters. The, the hospital, the physician are likely to accept family signatures for most things. Uh, I won't have had a very efficient um, exp explanation of my wishes without having done a living will and a healthcare power of attorney. But, um, but it won't be the end of things. We won't have a costly legal proceeding probably. Financial power of attorney is just different. It is the one that is maybe most important in um, at least a majority of the cases where we where we do estate planning. Well, Robert, thanks for giving a shout out to one of my favorite estate planning documents. <laughs> we, maybe we need to get it a sexier, cooler name. Um, well, when you say it's durable, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I just I like wombats. I have no idea what one looks like, but uh, but they sound so cool. Can we come up with a wombat name for powers of attorney? I don't know. Let's let's stay tuned for next week. <laughs> Durable, I guess we'll have to do in the meantime. Thanks, Elizabeth, and uh, thank you all for joining us. I'm Robert Fleming, chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are the partners from the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. We like chatting at you in these weekly podcasts, which we call very creatively Elder Law Issues. And uh, we hope you'll join us again next time.